Welcome to Lost or Found with Dr. Michelle Choi. The contents of this podcast and website are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition and before undertaking any diet, dietary supplement, exercise, or other health program. Welcome to Lost or Found today, and thank you for tuning in. Today I will be speaking with Father Raniero Hoffman, who is a Benedictine monk at the new Camaldoli Hermitage in Big Sur, about forgiveness. There was a period in my life where I didn't talk to my father for eight years. My parents divorced when I was in college when I was 21 years old. Ultimately, it was no surprise that they did as there were years of dysfunction that led to this. It's strange what you can come to accept in life. I had come to a point where I accepted the dysfunction. That's just how it was in our house. That's all we knew. Although I sort of had a glimpse of something else from my friend's family, I use this in a singular term as I really didn't have too many friends growing up and saw that her parents talked, sat at the dinner table together, and they also acknowledged me and asked me questions. As a kid, after years and years of seeing what you see, you come to understand that there are secrets not to be shared with everyone else. Our family was dysfunctional. The fact that my parents hated each other, could not communicate, and during the last years of their marriage got to the point where their fights would last a year, and they would communicate again briefly, then fight again, but the periods of not speaking would last longer and longer, all while living in the same house. I had been heavily involved in music during school, and I stopped asking my parents to come to my concerts because I couldn't see them pretending to be a family, sitting next to each other, and I wasn't sure if even if they wanted to come, Rationally, it made sense that they were going to get divorced. But as a teenager, although I wasn't sure if God was actually out there, every night I prayed that they would find a way to get along and be together again. I prayed for our family. And although deep inside I knew, it still hurt me a lot when they made the decision that made sense for them. But six months later, it became bitter again when my dad made a post-marriage girlfriend and married again soon thereafter. And I'm not going to lie. I was really naive, what some would call borderline dumbass. My mother went into a jealous frenzy, and she was a parent with whom I spent most of my time. I was most influenced by her at that point in my life, although deep down in retrospect, I probably knew that she wasn't high on the rational side either. I disinvited my father and his wife to my college graduation. I was a dickhead to him and a total bitch to his wife. In return, my father, with whom I had a close bond growing up, was a dickhead back to me, and he pissed me off enough I decided I didn't want to talk to him anymore, and that somehow became a long eight years. During that time, I got into medical school, graduated from medical school, went through the hell called residency, got married, got my first job as a doctor, bought our first house with my husband, and had my first baby. Just to hurt him a little bit more, because let's be honest, I was hurting. When my son was born, I decided to send him a picture album chronicling my baby's first year. I wanted him to see all the happy pictures so that he knew what he was missing out on. And perhaps the truth is, I wanted to hurt him. It's kind of funny and ironic. 
when you want to hurt someone because you are hurting because ultimately you love them. I believe it was when my daughter was in my belly two years later that I ended up reaching out to him. I'm not sure if it was in the form of a card or a phone call. I just remember several hella awkward phone calls before I felt somewhat comfortable but not fully. But perhaps the thing that really led to the peace offering was because of a dream I had when pregnant with my daughter. In the dream, I was walking into a church with my family, and note, I wasn't a churchgoer then. With my baby daughter in my arms, my mother had been there and my father and his wife. We went and sat all together in the pew. And in the church, I lifted my baby girl in the air to hand over to my father to hold. And it was during that moment in my dream, I poignantly remember thinking, perhaps this baby is a peacemaker, the peace offering in our family. Perhaps if I never wanted to forgive him, I probably never would have made an effort. But the truth is, during those eight years, even though I was mad and resentful and wanted to find ways to hurt him, I was also sad. There were many moments that I contemplated perhaps speaking to him again, and that moment would pass and I didn't. But this is the strange thing about forgiveness. Even though one would think forgiveness is about forgiving the other person, it had a tremendous impact on my own life. With time, it felt as if I unloaded a burden I was carrying for all those years. It was a process of letting go. I was lighter. I became happier with time. Forgiveness was not for him. It turned out to be more for me. I was forgiving myself. It became so much easier letting go of the negative feelings, the frustration, the anger, and the resentment, and perhaps making more room for love and in general feeling more love. Although what I described may be nothing compared to history of physical or sexual abuse, loss of a loved one, the loss of your child, it's an example of some of the shittiness in my own life that has hurt me, which I've carried. When you are overwhelmed by anger, it's almost like you can wither away under those emotions and trauma. You are angry towards that person who has hurt you, but the problem with anger and hatred is that sometimes it becomes a double-edged sword. It is pointed towards the perpetrator, but that sword also becomes pointed towards you as well. It's almost as if these emotions prevent you from living your life and growing from that point on. With all the school shootings that occur, I've often wondered how anybody can choose to actively take someone else's life. I'm not a psychologist or psychiatrist, but this is the only answer that makes sense to me. I think compared to the rest of us, the school shooter must hate themselves more than all of us. And I think in order to really hate yourself that badly at such a young age, their lives must not have been too great. Behind closed doors and the persona of an okay life, we don't have any idea what happens in another person's home or life. According to the National Domestic Violence website, more than one in three women, 35.6%, and more than one in four men, 28.5% in the United States have experienced rape, physical violence, and or stalking by an intimate partner in their lifetime. But with the example of the school shooter, what would be possible for a person who really loves her or himself? If a person honestly felt that their hearts were filled with love, wouldn't they be like care bears and shoot out love hearts everywhere and anywhere for all? what I call the respect for humanity. 
According to the Johns Hopkins Medicine website, forgiveness, your health depends on it. Forgiveness is not just about saying the words. It is an active process in which you make a conscious decision to let go of negative feelings whether the person deserves it or not. As you release the anger, resentment, and hostility, you can begin to feel empathy, compassion, and sometimes even affection for the person who wronged you. It is known that resentment and unresolved conflict can affect your health as there is a tremendous physical burden. And according to the same website, studies have found that the act of forgiveness can reap huge rewards for your health, lowering the risk of heart attack, improving cholesterol levels in sleep, and reducing pain, blood pressure, and levels of anxiety, depression, and stress. And research points to an increase in the forgiveness-health connection as you age. There is a beautiful children's short story from John J. Muth's book, Zen Shorts, called A Heavy Load, which I will read to you. Two traveling monks reached a town where there was a young woman waiting to step out of her sedan chair. The rains had made deep puddles and she couldn't step across without spoiling her silken robes. She stood there looking very cross and impatient. She was scolding her attendants. They had nowhere to place the packages they held for her, so they couldn't help her cross the puddle. The younger monk noticed the woman, said nothing, and walked by. The older monk quickly picked her up and put her on his back, transported her across the water, and put her down on the other side. She didn't thank the older monk. She just shoved him out of the way and departed. As they continued on their way, the younger monk was brooding and preoccupied. After several hours, unable to hold his silence, he spoke out. That woman back there was very selfish and rude, but you picked her up on your back and carried her. Then she didn't even thank you. I set the woman down hours ago, the older monk replied. Why are you still carrying her? So my friends, I really do believe that when we forgive, we free ourselves. Holding on to negative emotions ultimately is not going to help you heal. Yes, we have to honor our feelings and feel them, but we all decide how long we will carry them. It is a burden, but it is a burden with the potential to drown you. I talk about this today because I wonder if more is possible under the power of love than the weight of hatred. As Josie Teresi wrote in her book, You Were Born a Star, Now What? If we remain stuck in the past, our future will look much like our past. The benefit of the past is that it brings us to the present so we can honor it now. And today I will be speaking with Father Raniero Hoffman, who likes to just be called Raniero, kind of badass in my opinion, who is a Camaldolese Benedictine monk at the new Camaldoli Hermitage in Big Sur, California. I had first heard about him a couple of years ago, primarily that he's a really good human and the people that he has helped throughout his own spiritual journey. He was ordained a priest 49 years ago and has been a Camaldolese Benedictine monk for the past 29 years. The new Camaldoli Hermitage is a Benedictine monastery and there are monks and residents who maintain a rigorous schedule of prayer four times a day beginning at 5.30 a.m. as well as meditation and are committed to silence much of the time. In this contemplative community that enchants those who come to visit, they have opened their doors to those of any denomination who come in search of respite. 
And in this really peaceful place, the monastery overlooks one of the most fantastic landscapes on earth, Big Sur, California. Welcome to Lost or Found, Father Renero. I just want to say I'm really grateful for this opportunity to have the chance to talk with you. And before we begin, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, thanks, Michelle, for the opportunity also to uh, meet you and be with you and to share this time together. It's an honor and a privilege. Okay, so uh, presently I'm, I'm a Catholic uh, monk and priest of uh, the Benedictine Camaldolese uh, monk here in Big Sur. I was born in Baltimore, Maryland in uh, 1949 uh, from a very Catholic family, educated all through school and then through seminary. Um, was a diocesan priest in the Archdiocese of Baltimore for 15 years, um, served in three different parishes, and then the last four years uh, was on um, the staff of a spiritual center doing full-time work in spiritual direction and retreat work. And then sort of felt that there was more that God was calling me to. I was wanting more, and I felt like God was wanting more, and it led to monastic life and a journey to here in Big Sur. Um, I've been here 29 years, uh, came in uh, March of 1991, and then had to do the full formation because I was a diocesan priest, had never been in vowels, and um, was solemnly professed, made the life commitment in 1996, and then was elected prior or the head um, monk here at the Hermitage. Uh, in the year 2000 and served as prior for 12 years. So, and now I'm living the life of a, of a, uh, of, of a free monk, as it were, free in the sense <laughs> of the responsibilities of being prior and no longer, uh, enjoying that and doing, uh, again, a lot of work for the community and also doing a lot of spiritual direction for our retreatants and also for people who seek spiritual direction in an ongoing way. Father Renero, you were describing to me earlier, uh, you know, what a Kamal Dali's monk is. Would you mind describing to our listeners sure, sure, what the sure. process is? Sure. So, so um, uh, our founder is St. Romuald, a thousand years ago. Uh, we celebrated our thousand year uh, anniversary in, in 2012. Um, and uh, St. Romuald was, was a Benedictine monk, and he just wanted to make sure that the contemplative dimension of Benedictine life was not lost. He didn't want to establish something new, but that's what came out of it. And so our, our whole focus as Camaldolese Benedictine monks is the inner journey, the contemplative life. We don't have schools, we don't have parishes, we don't have universities, hospitals. Uh, our, our ministry is the contemplative life, to live it and then to give witness to it. And so we live as Camaldolese monks, both in monasteries and in hermitages. In a monastery, all the monks live under the same roof. In a hermitage, uh, it allow, it, every monk has his own individual little house, a little cabin uh, surrounded by a garden, and it's usually fenced in or walled in or whatever. It, it, that allows for more silence and solitude. Uh, but whether you live in the monastery or in, in the hermitage, uh, the whole journey is the contemplative journey and giving witness to that. The inner journey. The inner journey, right. Seeking the God who lives within. Beautiful. And so we, as we begin our conversation, our forgiveness today, Father Renero, how important is forgiveness? <laughs> yeah, I, I think forgiveness, 
is a major element of, of human life and, and certainly, and most especially, of, of um, the spiritual life. And, and I say this for this reason. I, I, as a monk, I, I really believe in and live on my life based on certain principles. And three very basic principles as a Christian monk for me are the principles of knowing our truth, uh, and I believe our, our, our basic truth is that we are the children of God and that God wants us to know that truth and to live that truth in order that we might be a free people and, and, and live life in freedom and also in fullness. So the truth is children of God living freedom and living freely as we live in fullness now looking to that eternal fullness or the completion of fullness in eternity with God. And I think um, central to, to children of God, freedom and fullness is forgiveness. That no matter what happens in life, no matter whether we're responsible or not responsible, that, that God wants us to know that we're forgiven, that we're not a people to live in shame and guilt. He didn't, God didn't create us that way and doesn't want us to live that way. And thus the reason, you know, why he sent Jesus with this ultimate message of forgiveness so that we can be free. Um, and that forgiveness, the, 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 the total meaning of forgiveness is freedom, you know, that we no longer live in shame or guilt. You know, a lot of people can know that God forgives them, can know that others forgive them, that they may have hurt um, or, or ways that they hurt themselves. But God forgives and others forgive, but they can't forgive themselves. And God, God wants us to know that when he forgives, the shame and the guilt goes too. And, and so we're invited into that kind of freedom because that's what the fullness is all about, that total fullness in eternity with God. And that's kind of like God's destiny for us. That's, I believe that's God's destiny for me. And, and I want to live that more and more, uh, live my life that way more and more. May I ask sure. you, with the truths that you mentioned, that number one, we are children of God. Yes. Is anyone ever born bad? Uh, no, no. And why I say that is because our life has come from God. And God is total goodness. God is all goodness. And so my life has come forth from God. How can, how can I be born bad? Now, we get born into an imperfect world, and it has its impact on us, but we come into that world as coming forth from the very being of God. And I love it when... St. Peter, in his second letter from Scripture, from his second letter, chapter 1, verse 4, will say, we are all sharers of the divine nature. <laughs> How can we the be truth. bad? How can we? And that's the truth of being a child of God. And you mentioned that God doesn't know shame and guilt. So is shame and guilt something that we as humans created for ourselves? I think shame and guilt, I, I, I mean, whatever, whatever the story of Adam and Eve, you know, I don't believe it actually happened that way. I believe it's a story that we learn from. And somehow, like a parable. yeah, somehow 
they began, for whatever reason, to experience shame and guilt because they wanted to hide from God. They used to walk naked with God in the garden in the evening, the scripture says. So they were totally free and full. They, were, they, were, they knew they were created by God. They knew freedom. They knew fullness. Something happened and they began to experience shame and guilt. And so I think it gets passed on. Um, and, and I just think in formative years, you know, parents, parents do the best they can, but, but maybe it wasn't the best. <laughs> it, that's right. And none of them do it perfectly. Yeah. And, and, and that's nothing bad. You know what I mean? Um, but the, the balance of it, like the good versus the bad times, if there's hopefully more good, hopefully the outcome is better. But the truth is, I think some of us ex have experiences where, the bad almost outweighs the good yeah, sometimes. Yeah. You know what I find from working with people, and I, I find this true over and over and over and over again, and it's something I, I deal with with the people that I speak with and who come and want to talk, is that, that again, here's the, that identity question, you know, that we are not the experiences of our life. Our experiences don't identify us. Are they real? Yes. Are they formative in very powerful ways? Yes. Are, are, are they damaging at times? Yes. But that's not who we are. We choose no, our life. Nor are we the feelings that these experiences cause us to feel. That's, but that's not who we are. There's where the shame can come. Mm -hmm. You know, difficult things can happen in formative years to, to little kids, and they grow up ashamed about that guilty about that, even though it's not even their fault, not, not even anything they've ever done. You know, it was done, maybe done to them, or, or, or maybe it was just an attitude. It wasn't even said or expressed, but it was just an attitude that was passed on and they picked up and they believed that's who they were, somehow not lovable. Somehow not likable. Somehow we got we get guided by the mistruth instead of the truth. That's right. That's right. And so what happens? They take on that identity, and so they, then they start compensating for it in behavior where they try to please people or or to seek the attention of people. You know, and you know what happens? Oftentimes they get it, but because they feel so bad about themselves. They don't know how to give that to themselves. They don't know how to live freely and what they're seeking, even though they get what they're seeking because they're grounding their identity in the experience and in the feeling rather than in the truth that they are. And so when, kind of like when I start working with people and say, we, we've got to start looking inside, <laughs> you know, and don't be afraid to look inside and you might see stuff you don't like, but underneath that is your truth. And, and, and Jesus says, I'm the light that's going to expel the darkness. So, so if we start looking in, the, maybe the first thing we're going to see is the darkness, but underneath of it is the light. That's, and that's the light pushing up so that we can get to the truth. And then it's a matter of, of helping people along to see what it was that happened to them. That's not who they are. In fact, the, the basic truth of who they are is that they are a child of God and that God is the core depth of who they are. So let's start experiencing the depth of who you are. And that's a union with God who lives deep within you. And let's start living out of, let's make the choice to live out of that. That's, it's a journey that we could all possibly have if we choose. That's right. I and, 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 I just want to, and, and, and maybe we can talk about this a little bit, but, but forgiveness is a choice. It's it not is. a feeling. 
it's it's like love. It's not a feeling. It's basically a choice. And I believe that forgiveness is the ultimate form of love. <laughs> uh, but we have to make the choice to believe and act on the choice, and then it becomes more and more incarnate within us. Because I think the unfortunate truth is that there are many people who have been hurt. And, you know, people carry around this hurt. But the truth is this hurt, you know, makes you almost emotionally and cognitively disadvantaged. And what you had brought up before, that feelings perhaps are like a coping mechanism. That may not necessarily be who you are, but it becomes a coping mechanism. And sometimes we're almost guided by the wrong thing. Yeah, exactly. Instead of the goodness, we're guided by the fear that came from that situation or the anger or the, the anxiety that it created. That's right. That's right. And it's like then there's where the person has to, as they begin to believe in their truth and the depth of who they are and use that to encourage them, then they need to go to their little child <laughs> and say, I know something more, you know, we're the same. You're, you're still the little child that's hurt. And I'm the adult that's learning something more about who we are, the depth of who we are. And I want to teach you, I, w- I want to love you. So it's, it's basically loving yourself because you didn't get that before. I, I'm going to, I, I want to, I'm going to teach you how to see who you are and to love yourself. And you bring that woundedness into healing, into freedom and into fullness. And I really believe with what you're saying, forgiveness is so difficult. And there's a timeline to forgiveness. You know, no one can ever forgive immediately because there's a process to kind of remembering, working things out. But I kind of wonder if it's the only medicine for our inner pain. Well, yeah, I I think... uh, Or if it's a strong medicine for our inner pain. Uh, I, I, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to somewhat agree with both of you that it's the only and strong <laughs> medicine. Do you know what I mean? I, I, again, because, because what makes it, what makes it so strong and hard is it, it's a choice I have to make. And, and making that choice can be really, really hard when the experience and the feelings are really, really strong, you know, and to say, that I forgive the other doesn't mean I'm saying the other was right. Um, doesn't does it, it's not it's not bypassing what has happened, but is saying and and saying also I can't change that situation. Um, and maybe it, if if it's relational, maybe the relationship isn't going to change either. But I can be free in the midst of it and live a freedom if I choose to forgive the other and or myself, if, if it's my own self, if I choose to make that to make that choice, that decision to forgive, to let it go and to move on to the greater power that is within me. Father Renero, who benefits from forgiveness? And I know you mentioned ourselves, but who benefits from forgiveness, do you think? I think first and foremost, the individual who makes the decision. They're the, they're the, they're the, not solely, but they're the one who, who first of all begins to benefit because they can live their life differently. They don't have to carry this hurt, this resentment, 
Um, you know, it's, it's there and they'll, they'll still have memories of it, but they'll know how to approach the memories of it. They'll know how to approach the, the feeling when it surfaces again, you know, and in time it'll lose its power. Will it go away? It doesn't have to go away because what used to get me stuck uh, in bitterness and hurt and resentment when I feel that now is, 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 is a warning sign. I better start choosing my truth and my path to freedom and I can make that choice and I can live free. The other person is free also. You know, and, and here's where I think forgiveness of even a, a deceased person is really, really important. You know, we can't change the situation um, and, and that's part of the freedom. That's, that's where we say, God, I may have messed it up terribly, but I did, I'm doing the best I can with it now. So I, I got to let go of, of the situation that I can't change. It's happened. It's over. And that's then the freedom that we find in, in, in the God who takes that on in order that we can live in freedom. Uh, but even with, with the dead person, the deceased person, we can, when, either relationally or because of death, we can't relate to the other person. We can work it out in our heart and be free in our heart. And, and then we release the person for whenever is going to be their time to face it and to make that choice. They will, have, they will know then that we have already forgiven them. Do you know what I mean? So I think, yeah. I, I think in one sense, everybody benefits from it. The way I relate to myself, the way I relate to the other person, and I then I know how to relate even better in general to the people around me. I absolutely agree with you because I think in order to forgive, I think we clearly have to think about what's hurt us or what's harmed us, you know, and identify it. It's something that a lot of people probably don't want to, you know, think about because it's so painful. But I think to identify it, to pull it out, like you were saying, you know, expel the darkness to let the light in. That's right. That's right. It's important to identify and just know to let go of it. That's right. And it's a process to let go of it. That's right. And see, there's where I think to do that, if we can get clearer and clearer and clearer about who we are as, as a child of God who has come forth from God and ground ourselves in that and say, with, with that kind of experience and belief and truth, then I make this choice and decision to look at this darkness, to work with it. I'm not alone. And above all, if there's that growing sense that God lives inside of me and I'm one with God and God's one with me all the time, God's really with me in this, you know, and he wants me to live in my truth, in my freedom and in my fullness, even now as we work towards the fullness of all that in eternity with him. And it get, does get fuller and fuller and fuller and life gets freer and freer and freer. Um, it's really true. It really happens. I think it's important to feel your feelings, but I think like if you continue to be angry, if you continue to be anxious or depressed, it's something that we have to also work through because I really do believe that if we work through those feelings, if we understand why, coming from the medical field, I really do believe that forgiveness has health benefits, mm -hmm. that it offers a pathway to a healthier life, to not carry that darkness, mm -hmm. that pain. Yes, yes, yes. It affects how, as you say, how we live our life, how we, how we go about our day. Are we going to go about in darkness and, and in hurt and in bitterness? And some people do, do you know? And that they're stuck. 
They're shackled. Yeah, they are shackled. Instead of like running in your life, you're carrying around this like really heavy weight. And how much can you move if you're carrying around this really heavy weight? And, and, and it's really understandable. Yeah, and it's sometimes like you're lucky not to drown then, you know? Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and it is understandable. Yeah, I mean... It uh, happens. I mean, bad things happen. Exactly. You know, and and, and hurts happen, um, and we're affected deeply. And I think in working it too, it's not a it's not a way of denying that this isn't really something strong and 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 it really hurts inside. Yeah, but let's be willing also to work with it and let's take the time that it needs. Uh, you know. Exactly. I was reading, um, you know, Robert Enright, who's a psychologist in the study of forgiveness. He states that studies have shown that forgiving others produces strong psychological benefits for the one who forgives. It's been shown to decrease depression, anxiety, unhealthy anger, and the symptoms of PTSD. Mm, mm, yeah, I, I believe in it. And even, what is he? Is he a, a psychologist? He's a psychologist. Psychologist. And, and then there's also that, that, that uh, practice in psychology of EMDR, which deals with PSTD. You know, because the brain, it's such a powerful hurt or experience that it doesn't get processed through the brain. It just stops there. And the EMDR sort of like opens the brain so that it can be processed through the brain. And then it, you replace it with the image that you want to have of yourself rather than the image that you've been carrying for a long time. So it's absolutely right, you know. You it's know? interesting because he was also stating that when people imagine forgiveness, they may not necessarily have forgiven and they're like connected to wires. Neurologically, what lights up when one imagines forgiveness in a certain situation, it's the pathway that is involved in empathy, mm. you know? Mm. And with those, and I think that empathy is a really important topic because empathy, I think, connects us with someone else. Mm -hmm. And that's perhaps one of the reasons why we do hurt. Yes, yes. But do you wonder, Father Inero, if there's a path for that person who hurt us or the individuals who've hurt us? if perhaps their own lives were probably not that great. I agree. I, I, again, and it's I, a cycle. I, I agree. I, I, and so when you say, <laughs> when you say who benefits from forgiveness, like I think when we accept the challenge to look at the hurt that has happened in my life, maybe way back in formative years, and it formed me and all the ways that I tried to compensate for aren't working any longer, and you get to the point of saying the only thing, the only way I have is to forgive and to move on, you know, and to live in this freedom and to let go. I think generational patterns, as you said, that have been passed on, like especially if it happens between a parent and a child, you know, and a mother or a father acts in a certain way or responds to a certain way, even attitudinally to a child, and a child picks that up, and then later on he starts working, the child, he or she starts working with it, traces it back to what happened with the father. Well, as you said, what happened to the father or the mother? And then who, whoever did that to them, what happened? And when you make that, when that person over here makes the decision to start working on this and to get free of it, it stops that generational pattern from continuing on happening. And so generations can begin to be healed. 
you know, it's not going to be passed on any longer because this person's living in truth and in light. Yeah. I really agree. Like there's relationships that we may or may not be able to change. And ultimately our lives are our lives, their lives are their lives. But in that relationship that we may or may not be able to change, to spray some mercy on there. Mm. It is what it is yeah. to break that shackle, but the mercy. Amen. Amen. You know, for ourselves and for whatever they are. <laughs> for ourselves first, you <laughs> yeah. know, for ourselves, because then we can do it for the others. I agree. And this is something that Robert Enright uh, has also stated, which I found very interesting. He states that research has shown that if an infant does not receive attention and love from primary caregivers, then he will have a weak attachment which can damage trust. It may prevent him from ever getting close to others and set a trajectory of loneliness and conflict for the rest of his life. Mm, I believe it. I've seen it. So with the wounded, they hurt more. They cause more wounds. The cycle can't stop with them, but we can stop that cycle. Exactly. Again, we are not the experiences of our life, nor are we the feelings that those experiences cause us to feel. That's not where our identity yeah. is. And unlike them, we don't have to be bound to these wounds. No, we don't. And when a person, like I've seen it happen many times, but when, like, when a person begins to see that, uh, the joy that begins to be there is, you know, like it's like their life just opens up. Do you know what I mean? It can cause other things to, to come forth, but but they th they know it's connected and they know how to begin to work with it. So again, so that that freedom and fullness begins to happen. And I think sometimes for our aggressors in our lives, it's hard to see them as people. But if you imagine that a vulnerable four or five year old possibly being neglected or harmed in some way, who can't empathize with that? It's such a painful experience that they had no control over. And unfortunately, like when you were saying, they chose that life. But if we can kind of come from a point of view where they were also hurt, perhaps it would help with the, you know, spring love or mercy yeah, 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 you know, yeah, into yeah, the yeah, situation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because who would not, in their right mind, hopefully, like, stick up for a five-year-old? Yes, yes. You know? Yes. And they, unfortunately, may not have had that. Yes, yes. I also think one of the things that happen with, with forgiveness is that, and, and living out of the truth that we are a child of God and that we've all come forth from the very being of God, um really i'll speak for, it helps me and makes me more and more sensitive to that's the truth of every person and, and so when i find someone i mean i live in a community of other monks <laughs> and it and community living can be one of the hardest things going at sometimes i mean we push each other's buttons i mean you know we <laughs> we take a vow of of, of stability to live here for the rest of our lives. And with this group of men who I didn't necessarily choose, nor did they choose me, but we came here believing that God called us here and we're in one sense stuck with each other for the rest of our <laughs> lives. And, and you, you know, you bring your whole life with you. And so we would push each other's buttons, you know, and we take the other vow called conversatio morum, which is the conversion of your ways of life that happen as you rub elbows and shoulders with one another, you know? And so it, living with that truth that we are 
all come forth from God and that our being is in God, that's the same, that's true of the monk that is pushing my button right now. And I'm called <laughs> to see beyond the situation or, or at least be willing to move beyond the situation to see the depth of that person and to begin relating out of that as I try to deal with a situation that can be painful that has pushed my buttons. And that's a great grace to begin to see that in ev it's in everybody. It's in all. The per that perhaps we all share the goal, but I think many of us have forgotten what that goal is. Like you live with that goal every day. But if I may ask you, why do you think many of us have forgotten what the truth is? Why do we realize it's not there? Yeah, it's a good question. It has something happened to, to the whole dimension of believing and faith? And, and yet, as you say that, what comes to my mind is, is perhaps that's one of the blessings of this pandemic that we're going through. Do you know what I mean? It, it, everything has had to stop and we've had to look at life and, and realize we have to begin looking at life in the future in a whole different way. Maybe we're all kind of living a variation of a hermitage. I think so. I think Being so. forced to maybe think with our silence. Yeah, I think so. And I, I've, been, I've, been, I've been touched many times over, you know, people will send me like, here, I think you might like this, like what's happening in the pandemic and you see what's happening around the world and what people are doing and the compassionate and empathetic way people are relating to themselves and to others. Oh my God, it just, the tears just flow from my eyes. I thought, gosh, you know, like something's being touched in people that wouldn't be being touched if this pandemic wasn't happening. Do you know what I mean? So. Yeah, maybe maybe life over the centuries and generations has we we lose stuff, but then we lose the, 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 a perception of of the good or or of the more, and then something happens and we're called back to it, and maybe that's the cycle of the way it happens. I think maybe with what you were saying, maybe this is like the period of remembering. Mm -hmm. You know, like in Italy, what always touched me. <laughs> was when the pandemic hit really hard and all the many of the elderly were dying, yeah. you know, right in the beginning of the pandemic, yes. Yes. where people were singing to each other from the balconies. It was just so beautiful, you know? Remembering that connection that we all have to one another. And they were, they were making that connection yes. in a whole different way. Actively. Yes, yes, yes. I think that's a really, you know, interesting thing about forgiveness because... I think forgiveness is kind of like making meaning from our suffering, mm. you know, acknowledging and not forgetting it. Yeah. Because you're right. Sometimes it's real. And forgive my language, you know, no. S H I T. I don't yeah. want to say it in front of yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It is. You know, but if you can make some That's meaning nice. from your suffering. That's right. That's it's right. a time of reflection. That's right. That's right. And we don't have to be afraid of it, you know, and that can be, and, and that can be a normal and understandable re initial response. Oh, I don't, I just don't want to look at it, but it holds, it holds the key to your forgiveness and to your freedom. Because I think in order to maybe have a plan to do something about it, you know, 
I think we have to recognize the injustice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that was the truth. And we shouldn't be ashamed of the truth. That maybe feeling shame or guilt or feeling like we have to hide is not what God wants. That's what we've created. I think if we kind of think about a higher power, perhaps a higher power just wants us to feel loved, to mm-hmm. love ourselves. For sure. That's the depth of who we are. <laughs> That's our depth. And maybe in order to love ourselves, we have to recognize the injustice. Mm. And that we don't have to stay, we don't have to be stuck in the injustice. Yeah. And perhaps that the suffering that we experienced was not in vain, mm. that there was a meaning for it. Yes. Yes. And we can, we can decide where we're going to lay the bricks for our path. Right. You know, every single day we lay a brick. And I think if that if your trajectory in life is not what you want it to be, then I wonder if we all have a choice, mm. that we don't have to go there then. Yeah, yeah. I don't think, I think we do have that choice. Yeah, especially if the truth is that, this is how I took your truth, that if none of us are really born bad. We are not. Then you don't have to be bad. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But bad things happen. Yes. You know. And, and, and I don't want to deny that, you know, and I don't want to deny that something bad hasn't happened to you or happened to me. It did, but I don't have to stay there. I don't have to stay there. May I ask you, what can we do if we feel that we can't forgive someone or if we can't forgive ourselves? What can we do? Well, I, I, again, I, I, th- I think the, the first thing to do is, is, is we have to look at or be willing to look at where we've come from and at the depth of our being who we are and to maybe begin to believe that more and in that maybe then like believe in the love more you're saying exactly exactly you know that i am not bad i was not born bad and i do have the capacity to love and to forgive um and maybe to slowly work with that and, and, and to have somebody that you can talk to and can work with you with that so that that can grow and out of that hopefully will come the opportunity to get stronger and stronger. So I say, okay, I think I can, my goal is to make that decision, the decision, not a feeling. Might I always feel hurt? May I always, might, might I always, yeah, because that really did happen. And that might take a long time to lose its power, but in time it will lose its power. That's why it's got to be a decision that you make in the midst of when the feelings or the memory comes back. And maybe like even the concept of that, maybe the concept of not being able to forgive, maybe that's something or a block that we've created. Yeah. You know? And then if you think about it alternatively, why are we letting our lives be driven by something that really bad that happened in the past? And why are we letting them drive our lives instead of us? Like, why are we not in the driver's seat? That's right. And that not only applies to the other person, but also applies to ourselves when we're holding ourselves bound because of something we did. And here's where I can't undo it, but I'm not a bad person. You know, and that we can all change at any point in our lives, perhaps. That's right. That's right. Do you think that there's anything in life that's unforgivable? No. <laughs> what comes to my mind as you say that is that scripture passage about the 
unforgivable sin, <laughs> you know. But, but I, what I understand there is that what that passage is saying is that's when a person who knows that God is a loving God, but who knows it, but says, I'm not going to live that way. So how can, how can God forgive? The person will never be open to God's forgiveness. God will always forgive, you know, but we've got to be open to it. But if the person holds it against themselves and denies that that's who God is, well, then it's not God who can't act. It's the person who can't act. Yeah, that we almost create our punishment by having the door closed, perhaps. That's right. The, the, the door is never closed on that God. That it's self-inflicted. Right. That's exactly. The door being shut. That's right. That it's our choice, what that's you were right. saying before. That's right. God will never close the door. We can close it on ourselves if we make that choice. Father Renero, sometimes I feel like many of the religions are so fear-based mm. that you can't do this, you can't do this, or you're going to be punished. But sometimes what I wonder when I hear stuff like that is, I think people punish. I don't ever imagine if the higher power is love punishing. You know, I just can't imagine them punishing. I think we as humans punish each other. Yeah, we do. And ourselves. And ourselves. And somehow, again, I think that's a generational thing that got passed on through the way people understood humanity and their own humanity. Humanity is bad, you know. The body is bad, you know. Thanks be to God we're moving out of that, you know what I mean? Uh, and coming to see that, uh, again, God, God says, if you love me, my Father will love you. Jesus, if you love me, my Father will love you. And we will come and make our dwelling place within you. So what's that saying? You know, God lives within me. and it, It's true. It's the core and the depth of who I am. So somehow that got lost in... And the way people began to understand humanity and 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 the body and um, and, and and I think there's a resurgence into the what we call the divine indwelling, the God who dwells within, you know, um, and that that's who I am, and that's the core of my life, and the power of my life, and the energy of my life. I absolutely agree. I think humans need to be more clear if they think that you know, this act should be punished. Let's just be honest, right? that's coming from the human, you know? <laughs> when maybe the truth is love, and how are you going to get closer to there? Exactly. What is your path? <laughs> you know, and one another's path is their own path, but our path is ours, and we can decide. That Exactly. exactly. What do you need to expel? <laughs> Yeah. What do you need to fill with light yeah. to get closer? Yeah. And you don't have to do it perfectly, but begin to do it. <laughs> Just begin to do it for your, for your own sake. Again, for your own freedom and fullness. Because I really believe feeling better in all aspects of our life, emotionally, physically, spiritually, has amazing health benefits. And this is part of our process. But then again, we're not alone because many, many people have inner pain. We hide and try to look good, but I think many of us have inner pain. Yes. And it's important to look at it and not to be afraid of it. And it can be a scary thing to do. And so we shouldn't do it alone. You know, we should we should yeah. find somebody that we can really talk to. Therapists, counselors, that's friends it. even. That's it. that's it. Remember the social connection. Maybe we have a hard time healing ourselves. We can connect with someone else who can help us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
you know, and if I think this is how I feel about medicine too. If, if you feel like that one doctor doesn't work for you, you know, if it's a doctor, then find someone else. Yeah. Don't stop. <laughs> yes. You know, yeah, yeah. if one church for you works or I don't yeah. know, one monastery, yeah. if that doesn't work for you, then yeah. don't stop. Yeah, that's right. Keep on walking. That's it. Yeah, like what's working for you and what is that? Exactly. And let that guide you. Let that guide you. Because I really believe forgiveness is something so difficult, but it's so important. And I think when we forgive, we honor ourselves as people, mm. as a person. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah, we, we hold ourselves in truth, and truth brings freedom. Yes, we give credence to our life. Yes. And create our meaning. But that doesn't happen overnight. No. Right? No. It's a process. It's a process. <laughs> it's a process. And it's never too late to begin. No. It's never too late to begin. I, I guess what's really important for me, and I, I think the brothers here are probably tired of hearing me say it, but I say it over and over and over, because it, it, and, and I've already said it here, and, and that's to really know that for who, who's ever listening, that at the depth of who you are, the depth of who you are is God. And that depth is inside of you, and God is inside of you. And God is the divine, the universe, whatever you want, whatever term you want to use, it's the depth of who you are. And you're never alone. That the truth will always be there. It's there. And it's your power and your energy. It's your source. And just, just keep going to that. In your hardest and darkest time, just go deep, deep inside and know you're one with God, with that higher power. You're never not uh, you're never, he, God is never not there, and you're never not one with God. So do we ever lose that? We never lose it. We just probably it's, cover it up. It's always there. It, it's a matter of consciousness. It's mm -hmm. cultivating the consciousness to know the depth and of who I am and what's going on at the depth of who I am. And that's this oneness and this union with God, the divine, the higher power. It's always there. And the more that we can grow in consciousness of that, then the more and more that, that takes over in our life. And, and we'll be amazed. We'll be driving. We'll be walking we'll, wherever we are. And all of a sudden, you're, you don't even have to try. You just know you're one with God and God is one with you. And, and you start seeing it happening all over. It's, it's your truth. It's your core. It's your ground. It's your center. And some people call it their inner light. Their inner light. Yeah. It's true. I really think on my own spiritual path, I thought about the inner light a lot. And I really wonder, you know, with, if we're born with this inner light, that that inner light has never left us. I think sometimes what happens that it, in life, this inner light gets covered up with dirt. Yep. And this dirt accumulates if you don't take care of that light or if you don't remember that light. And then sometimes it gets so thick with dirt that we forget it exists, but it's always been there. And I think sometimes our journey in life is to unpeel the dirt and remember that that light has always been shining in front of Amen. us, in us. Amen. And let us shine in front of us to guide us. Amen. That maybe we've not lost it, that maybe we were confused by things in life, mm -hmm. but it's always been there. And why not let that light shine? That's right. It's never lost. It's never lost. We just forget. We just forget. Or other things happen, but it's always there. Always there. 
And no matter, as, as, as we said in another conversation, no matter what goes on around us and no matter what gets taken away from what's around us, this inner light, this inner union and oneness, nobody, no thing, absolutely nobody, nothing can take it away. It's, Only we can forget it. That's right. And even if we forget it and remember, it's still there. <laughs> but why not grow it, right? it? Exactly. Cultivate it. Cultivate it. Exactly. Make it a, an amazing burning fire. Mm-hmm. Not to burn down trees in California, but, you know, <laughs> you know like an amazing yes. burning fire. Yes. Yes. So you never forget. And I think forgiveness is part of that process of unpeeling, washing away that dirt in your life. Yes. I agree. I agree. And perhaps, Father Raniero, you know, as I've stated before, maybe in terms of washing away our dirt or, you know, all the stuff that happened to in our lives, I think it's important to be honest that there's a timeline for forgiveness, you know, and to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it can't happen immediately. But if you are honest about the things that have hurt you, Maybe you'll get there sooner than you think. Yes, yes. Again, if you if you are willing to start looking at it, you know, you can get there sooner yeah. than you think. Maybe that'll kind of take you somewhere even better. Mm. You know, for sure, because it'll change your whole certainly your view of yourself and your view of reality, and 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 that you're dealing with it will change how you deal with things that are yet to happen in front of you. Yeah, and you know, there's someone I know that um, he's an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And before he stopped drinking, for two years, he would write down on an Excel sheet. And he didn't stop drinking, you know, but mm-hmm. for two years, he wrote down how much he was drinking every single day on mm-hmm. an Excel sheet. Mm-hmm. And then one day, he decided to go for it and stop. But, you know, that was his timeline. And I think sometimes we have to respect that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, beginning yeah. to think about it, it's opening that door in our hearts. Yes. It's never too late. <laughs> it's never too late. When that intuition comes, go for it. You know, just go for it. Yeah. And I think sometimes, like, if we don't know how to begin, then just start simply. Like, you know, seeing seeing the sun. Yeah. Feeling yeah. the wind. Yeah. Things that make you feel good. Yes. And then with that, go for more, you yeah. know, every single day. Go, go for that which makes you perhaps become more aware of the goodness that you are, the truth that you are. Because as that grows stronger, then I'll have the strength to maybe face some of the stuff that's more yeah. difficult to face. Because perhaps even little things like that will feed the truth. Mm, right. Will give strength and courage to do it. Well, thank you so much, Father Renero. You know, this is such a beautiful and interesting conversation. Mm, thank you. Thank you for your time. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. See you next time on another edition of Lost or Found. For more information, visit our website, drlostorfound.com. Don't forget to subscribe 